Wealth Tactic Rebels, ingenious tactics to accumulate wealth for people who see things differently. Welcome to another discussion with Wealth Tactic Rebels, the wealth podcast for people who see things differently. I'm your host, Kevin Dumont, and I've been thinking differently in the wealth field for over 10 years. And today I am joined by Mike Watts. Hi, Mike. How are you today? I'm doing fantastic, Kevin. How are you? <laughs> well, I'm doing awesome. I'm glad to have you here today. Thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, glad glad to be here and hope I can uh, offer some value to your listeners. Well, I definitely think you can, Mike. Mike, for our listeners here, of our interview today, he's a very successful entrepreneur. He uh, has done over six different ventures and seems to be going up with each one. You know, I'd love to give you the background of his whole story, but I really think that the person that's going to be able to give you the most value and the best detail on that background is Mike himself. So, Mike, why don't you uh, fill our listeners in on where you started and how you got to where you are today? Yeah, great, Kevin. Well, yeah, I've always been the type of guy that, that had some sort of side hustle going. Right. Early days in middle school, I was the guy with the candy in the backpack and, you know, working lunchrooms and, and the hallways between class to try to put a little extra jingle in my pocket. <laughs> I knew some people like you, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah I, was the, I was the candy man. You're the candy man. <laughs> there we go. That's right. So, you know, I, 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 you know, I started cutting grass and started uh, washing cars, anything I could do to make money all the way through high school. And then at 15, I moved and got my first real job, uh, right. getting a paycheck as a, I worked in a baseball card shop. And, and it was because wow. I loved baseball cards. And I was super into baseball cards because mm. it, to me, like felt like the, the stock market. Yeah. yeah. You know, you could own a, a card and the next week it would go up in value or go down and you could right. buy, you know, wholesale and trade. So yeah. it was a dream job for me. And plus it was at the mall. So then I could oh, trade wow. baseball cards and, you know, Check out the, uh, the passerby, if you know what I mean. Hey, I do know uh, what you mean. That was always one of my favorite yeah. pastimes there, too. <laughs> I think everybody enjoys a little people watching now and then. <laughs> yeah, a little people watching. So, you know, this was me in high school, and so it worked out great. From there, you know, I had a, a variety of different jobs and went the traditional path. You know, I was told the story, right? You do good right. in school so that you can go to college, and you're going to do good in college so that you can get a good job get a good job so you can make, you know, a good paycheck and eventually retire when you're 65 and then you can do what you want. Exactly. Right. Right. I followed that path up until eight years into my professional career as, as an engineer. And then I like to talk so much. They pushed me over to public relations. I actually worked for the electric and gas utility here in Houston. <laughs> that was their solution. Right. I started volunteering for, you know, they have a speakers bureau and, I just liked doing that kind of stuff. And so they right. moved me in there. And I had ultimately, if, if you were looking for a really great job, where it's fun with mm -hmm. low expectations and high energy, right. that probably would have been it. For, so for some people, that's great. Uh, right. But frustrating right. for me, the part for me was that, you know, you get that typical corporate compensation schedule. Right, right. And it's very little based on performance and a whole lot based on how long you've been there. Right, right. And so I decided that uh, I was going to start a, a side hustle. My wife and I together had uh, made a goal uh, when we had our first child that we would uh, we would go from a two income, both work into a one income family. And that way we can invest more heavily into the, you know, raising and education of our children. And so we started doing uh, craft fairs and things on the side, trying to make a, 
make an extra dollar. Yep. I started with a, a product I found. My parents uh, are also seasoned entrepreneurs and have their own party rental business down just south of Houston. And it's oh, a excellent. thriving business. That's nice. Now, yeah. Um, you know, and my dad, you know, he worked in a corporate world as well. I worked his way up in the chemical plants down there and became an engineer uh, from oh. the ground floor up. But then after 25 years, decided to leave and accept one of their 18-month pay packages out. And then, you know, took that risk and took that money and invested it into tables, chairs, linens, and those sorts of things. And then has built a thriving party rental business out of that over the last over 20 years now. And then as far as for me, uh, you know, I went and met with them and said, look, I need to come up with some side hustle. You guys are obviously being successful. Maybe you all have some ideas for me. And as it turned out, a person had walked into their shop with this amazing product and was trying to sell it to them for their centerpieces to be used in weddings. They did a lot of wedding decorations and things. And uh, so we, uh, it was a polyacrylamide, which is just a crystal, and you can mix it with water and it would soak up gallons of water and you could grow plants out of it or you could add it to your <laughs> soil or you could make centerpieces out of it. And it's still sold today uh, at Home Depot under oh, really. Soil Moist, yeah, is the brand that you find in the garden. Soil Moist, yeah. I might have to look for that next time I'm there. Yeah, yeah. It'll, it'll, if you travel, you know, or just forget to water your plants like me, then it's a, it is a great product. It would be good for for myself. I think my mother, too, she's, she was never the greenest thumb. I think I inherited hers. <laughs> right, yeah. Around my house, there's, there's two types of plants. There's victims and survivors. So, uh, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> which one do you have more of is the question. Well, I have survivors left. You know, the victims, we just don't kind of forget about those. But <laughs> Okay, good. Uh, but, you know, back to the story, we started telling, you know, selling this uh, little bags of crystals, a lot like, you know, Jack and the Beanstalk, selling little bags of magic beans. And it uh, was working pretty well. The problem was that, you know, I was traveling to do the Houston Home and Garden Show and then go to the, travel to Austin and do Austin and Fort Worth and Dallas and San Antonio and on and on. And the problem with that business was that I was only able to make money if I was there. Uh, pitching it yeah right i i couldn't teach anybody else to, to sell this stuff the way i did and i was there with the elevated table and the microphone and the lights you know i was you know billy mays anthony sullivan as seen on tv pitch guy all i mean i was pitching hard and i would do the pitch and my wife would take the money and our you know one or two year old would be under the table watching uh, veggie tales <laughs> and that was our life we traveled around and uh, tried to make extra money on the side on every you know, vacation day I had, we never took vacations. We invested all that time and sick days, even holidays, weekends into these shows right? and trying to supplement that second piece of income. Yep. So that sort of started my journey as an entrepreneur on the side. And I started learning more and more about the types of products that I wanted to sell and what the challenges were with each. So then I went through a season of trying new types of products and starting new little micro companies along the way to market each one of these products. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I picked up uh, a line of products we called Yardworks Yard Art, and they were they're the little metal and plastic decorations for your yard, and they're on a stick, and you stick them in the yard, and the wind blows, and the wings flap. You might have seen them before. They sure. might have center wings on them, and we were buying those by the container load out of China. And we would turn around and sell them at the shows. And I was buying them for about 67 cents a piece. 
and I would sell them for three for $10 or seven for $20. Mm-hmm. And the, the attendees of these shows would go bananas over this stuff. Really, really oh, wow. excited and, you know, pushing and grabbing and throwing money. And so it was a, that was a cool business because it was scalable. I could teach other people to do it. So I started right. booking shows in other states and then I would advertise in that, in that city, like, you know, like the Philadelphia flower show, we would a- advertise in Philadelphia for a couple to take on a entrepreneurial gig on the side. Right. We would provide them with the product and the booth. And then they would just buy wholesale from us, do the booth and then sell us back, you know, or send them back anything they didn't sell. And so at that point, I was finally able to learn how to scale to where I could be making money in cities all over the country because spring, you know, is when it happens. And that's when the home and garden shows were going. And they were often on the same weekend. So I wasn't limited by geography that way. That's an important thing, mm-hmm. I think. If, if you're limited by geography in, in, in any way, then you're just limited. You can't do any more than what's right there. And also, like you were mentioning before, now you have something that you can teach other people to do. So now you don't have to be there for that to be bringing you money. Exactly. There's a lot of the principles that you learn from Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Right. Robert Kiyosaki talks about, you know, you can be an employee uh, and it's or you can be self-employed. But either way, in either of those scenarios, you're trading your time for money and there's no way to scale. So this next step allowed me to move back over into the business owner, the B category. And now I could be a business owner and therefore I could be making money with other people's time. And that's right, super right. important. And so right, all right. of a sudden we saw our revenues, our profits, the brand even. I wasn't even really after trying to build a brand, but I built a brand and a website back when, you know, websites were new. And yeah, yeah. and we really built up a solid, solid little company there on the side selling these you know, yard decorations. And it also, though, had a one big flaw. That flaw was that I did not control the supply of that product. And so right. what happened is that, you know, I would go to a show and I would sell my products and at the next show, somebody would be there. Because every little one that we sold had a little tag hanging off it. And people notice when you got wow. a crowd of people around your booth and there's money flying, Right. they're, they're going to Take, take notice, right? Entrepreneurs see that kind of stuff. And, right, right. And they'll try to copy what's being successful. Right. And so I just kept creating my own competition uh, as I went, Kevin. That would be a show in Austin. And the next thing right. I go to the next weekend in Dallas, and there's somebody selling the same stuff right across from me. And now we're in a price war. And it was very frustrating to me. Mm. And I had that same problem with additional products that I brought on. I brought on these wooden carved airplanes and cars and motorcycles from Vietnam. Really cool pieces, and but same deal. I didn't control the supply. Next thing you know, those start showing up because right. I was doing those at shows, but then I also did them at the mall kiosk at Christmas time. So I booked kiosks in all the malls. And, and at one point, I had a full-time job. I had done 40 trade shows that year, and with not just me personally, right, but my company. Right, right. And then I had six different retail locations around the city of Houston that I was managing with employees. All while I had a full-time job. Oh, wow. So that was sort of at the, the, the crux of it all. And it was this fateful day. I was at a trade show in Houston. And uh, it was an amazing day because I had just met the inventor of a product that we would later call the Pivotron, which was my first big startup. Mm-hmm. And his name was Orlando. And he had invented an aftermarket trimmer head for gasoline-powered trimmers. 
And the problem that he was solving, if you've ever cut your grass on your own, Kev, sure. is that, you know, the, the line doesn't like to feed out well and it often breaks off when you're cutting, especially around the concrete and chain link fence. Yeah, absolutely. So he had developed this trimmer head that performed amazingly well by the design of it and he had filed for patent. And so that day when I was at the trade show, he was in the booth next to me. I'd given him a booth for free so we could talk about negotiating a deal. Right. I had two different other booths with yard art in them. I was standing in the rain sword booth, which is those crystals. I was still selling these. Right. And I had another booth with these wooden airplanes in it. So I was very exposed to the show. It was my local show here in Houston. And it's on a Friday. I'm tapped out on vacation days. And so I said, I haven't been working from the field today. I'm there in my booth right when the show opens. I'm down under the table. I stand up. I look over, and there's my boss walking in with a camera. Oh, oh boy. Yeah. So he snaps a picture. The only words he said to me was, I've seen everything I need to see. And turned around, and he walked out. Well, uh, uh, that I guess that was one of your deciding moments, right? <laughs> it was definitely was. Uh, <laughs> I I looked at Orlando. We didn't have a deal at this point. I looked at Orlando and I was like, I think, uh, I think I just got fired. And he looked back at me and he goes, well, I guess we better make a deal. <laughs> and uh, so uh, that day in earnest, we really started working out a, a licensing deal. I, mean, I didn't even know what licensing was at the time, you know, and that's right. sort of a theme for this whole exercise. It's, yeah. And I'm willing to go out and try things I've never tried right. um, and figure out, I'll learn it as I go. Yeah. And so we did that and it, you know, the lawyers got a ton of money out of it, but, uh, fortunately I was in a position where I could more comfortably leave my, the security of my job. Yeah. Now, by this point, I just, we just had our third child. So I had an infant, um, I had a two-year-old and I had a four-year-old and was about to leave potentially the security or be fired from the, the security of a nine to five job with, right, you know, right. making around. I think I was making around 55000 a year, but I had health insurance, I had 401k matching, I had all that quote unquote security there, but they were giving me 3% raises. No matter the fact I was blowing it out of the water, in spite of all that side hustle, right? I was still out outperforming at work. I really was. Yeah. So that Monday comes around and I just don't go to work, right? I'm figuring this is it. It's, I'm, I'm done. It's over. And my vice president called me around noon. And she's like, why aren't you here? I was like, well, have you talked to my boss? Have you talked to Lynn? And she's like, yeah, why aren't you here? I was like, well, aren't I fired? Who told you that? You get in here right now. <laughs> and so I came in there and went into her big corner office with her big couches and sat down in there with her. And she said, look, you know, you're doing a great job here and you haven't been recognized for it. And I understand you're trying to make some extra money on the side. How much money do you make from your side business? Right now, I'm making about $30,000 a year extra. She said, okay, well, I'm going to give you a $30,000 raise and a promotion. And I went, but you're going to need to quit your side businesses and focus on working here at the company. And that was a a tough call. That just proves how valuable you were, too. Yeah, well, you know, you're right. It's amazing how all of a sudden people kind of get the point, but or see the value when you're about one foot out the door. And so... I had a decision to make, or we had a decision, me and my wife had a decision to make at that point. You know, do we stick with the security of the nine to five, even though we've kind of got a taste for this doing our own thing and doing it our way and feel like we've got a pretty decent path towards a product that nobody else can copy, something that we can control, something we can take the market in and be all our own. 
And so I walked back into my vice president's office after talking to my wife. And I said, I really appreciate that offer. That's very generous. And I really appreciate you recognizing my work. But I'm going to, if I don't take this risk, risk now, I might never do it. And I'll always wonder what would have happened. Yeah. And so I walked out. And, you know, it was an open door behind me. They told me I'd come back anytime I wanted. But I left that day and left the security there and went to go out and buy health insurance on the open market and then went to work doing my own thing. Well, we took that little idea and after we licensed it from the inventor and we grew that product into the number one selling aftermarket trimmer head in the category. We were uh, an infomercial uh, sensation. We were killing it on TV, late night TV. Um, we had a really cool demo. I had wrote the script and shot the commercial and it was doing well. And we did that for about four years and we grew the company to about $7 million in revenue. Wow. Our final year. And uh, with about half of that on TV and the rest of that from Home Depot, Lowe's and Walmart and all through a dis distribution partner that we had. And, uh, our distribution partner and was our largest customer, one single customer at that point. And uh, we're in a strategic, strategic position to acquire companies. And they made us an offer we couldn't refuse. Hmm. They, uh, they offered us over $6 million for the purchase of the company. And uh, based on our profitability and the fact that I felt like we had sort of tapped out, topped out category, then we accepted the offer. It changed lives. We brought on investors that were, you know, family, like my grandparents, aunts and uncles and friends. And so everybody, it was this really amazing moment in life when I was able to add benefit back to all these people that had believed in me. And mm. it was my grandma got a quarter million dollars wow. and she was able to have a nest egg. Uh, my grandfather just passed away. So she had a resources there to take care of herself for the rest of her life. And so that was big. My brother was able to, you know, build a big portion of his home that he was building. I had an aunt that was able to buy a minivan that she really needed. And, you know, there's real tangible things like that that were awesome to me. And of course, I went in wow. and took mine and invested it all in real estate. It was the time when all the, the rent houses uh, or the properties yeah. that crashed back in the early two, 2000, it was around 2011, all this was happening. So it was still depressed and I bought a bunch of rent houses, remodeled them, put them up for rent, uh, which is a good thing because then I lived on that cash flow for the next yep. five years with no paycheck so that I could then, but, but while still working on my next startups after that. Right. Some people love real estate investing for the passive stable income it can bring them. Yeah, that mailbox money is a beautiful, beautiful thing. In addition to that, the appreciation has been great as I've gone through and right. And needed cash, which has been more regular than I had hoped. Uh, but that's the way startups go. It usually is. Yeah. I would sell a property here and cash in. I always felt like I was playing Monopoly, you know, flipping <laughs> these cards over, you know, having to cash in, cash in, cash in. Yeah. But that's what was happening. I would sell, you know, as the market's moving up, I'd sell them and then use the money to invest in the company. And the companies that we operate since then, I've, I've had two additional licenses I've taken on. One is called Tree Stake Solutions, and it's an underground tree stake yeah. for uh, newly planted trees. So instead of those ugly poles and wires that you see around trees, mm -hmm. it's a it's a completely subterranean system that it replicates a fully developed root system. So the tree will stay in place, but there's nothing above ground to mow around or kids to get hurt on, and just looks better too. So right. we still operate that business today. 
But my number one, like I, I spent my life right at this point, you know, I'm sort of painting this picture for you. And I had had all these products and, and I've been continuing to look for the world's greatest product. Essentially. I was like, I, you know, we all sit around and we watch the infomercials, right. And you're like, come up with us, man, right. what if we did made something like this? That would be a cool idea. And we all watch shark tank, right? I don't know if you're, are you a shark tank fan? I, I've seen a few episodes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. of course. Well, uh, you know, that, that sort of American dream type thing is what I was looking for, but I'd learned about all the attributes of products, like things that could die. Mm -hmm. So lucky bamboo that had a whole trailer full of them that died. I had like, I'll never have inventory that'll die again. I had the stuff people could just work around me and even had patented stuff now, but it was such a narrow market. People that cut their grass and they have to have a gas weed eater and they, you know, so it's a very narrow market I had there. Right. But I finally found it. Right. Right. A friend of mine I had done business with brought this product to me on a Friday afternoon and we sat down for dinner and he put uh, what would become a love handle. He put a love handle on my phone, which is a really low profile smartphone grip. Uh, it's just a piece of elastic that's strapped on top of a like a bow tie shaped piece right. of elastic or plastic base with a three end backer and sticks to a phone or case or whatever. But it just gives you that single right. finger grip for your phone. And he gave it to me. And the first thing I saw, it, I was like, I don't know. It's pretty simple. I'm not sure you can patent that. I'm not sure that you could sell it for enough to make any money with, but I'll try it out and see. Well, the next day, Saturday morning, I'm laying there on my I'm on my bed with my phone above my head going, wow, this is amazing. I'm not dropping my phone on my face, you know, like I <laughs> always do when I'm falling asleep at night. And so we, you know, I was like, man, that's really good. By Sunday, I was resolved that this was a really profound product in its perfect moment in time because more and more people were getting cell phones and it's becoming, you know, okay to just have your cell phone in your hand all the time. And oh, yeah. I saw the, the opportunity that there. Right, exactly. Five years ago now, and uh, Monday, I was on a plane to go meet the inventor because I knew that this is this was going to be my big idea that I was going to change the world with. And went up and then explained to the inventor and his wife took him to dinner. I was like, look, this is what I do. I've done it. I've taken products to millions of dollars in sales. He was currently building it in his basement with scissors and glue. And uh, I said, look, let me just take this, go big time, and you can go back to the workshop and keep making amazing products and it took a little convincing and a whole lot of money but i was able to get the license from him for those pending patents at the time and that was been five years ago and we've grown that company to uh we have 32 full-time employees now uh we operate out of suburban houston texas and i'm, I'm wow. in the studio here right now but we do all our manufacturing here in the united states which makes us very different than most companies. Yeah, it's excellent. All made in the USA. Made in the USA. For real. Yeah, really. And, and made to order too. So like now we make these custom smartphone grips for Samsung and Bud Light, and the Wall Street Journal and Uber and these enormous brands. It's just so, it makes us so proud. But we've invested in the automation equipment that actually the inventor developed for us. So huh. that was the benefit of sending him back to the warehouse as a genius, which he is. and. He built them. Right. He built doing what he does best. Exactly, and he built the machine for us that we can now produce fifty thousand custom love handle phone grips every day oh, here. Wow! And that gives us a lot of bandwidth to work with. Yeah, exactly. That's massive distribution ability that you have with that, which means your scaling is huge. Also, it is. It is, and you know, and the but the, it's so much 
bigger than than I, you know I think that I even gave it credit for to start because wow. reality is, is that there's more humans there's more active phones out there than there are humans yeah so the ability to market to a market that big and with it is consumable because it's made from natural elastic so it stretches out just like your sock uh, eventually and so it needs plus people replace their phones and cases and so now you have a multiple of humanity as your market size and something that's right. demonst- demonstrable, super easy to demonstrate. It's instantaneous and uh, it's proven now. So it, it's proven to be a very good model for us. I'm super proud that we make everything here in the U.S. And from a marketer's perspective, it's a marketer's dream because they get their brand on the back of a smartphone, which is the most visible thing on the planet. Yeah. And it's affordable. Plus, we mount them to custom cards. And so now it's like a business card plus. So you give your business card out, but on the back of it, there's really cool custom phone grip that you can remember me by. So people are really liking it for that purpose. Mike, that's uh, pretty amazing. It's fantastic that you've been able to really find what you've been looking for. Most people that do take the risk like you looking for whatever it is, they know there's something out there for them. They don't always get a chance to, to find that. So... It's pretty amazing that you found it and you've been able to make something such so great out of it. Yeah, I appreciate that. It's, it's been an amazing journey. And uh, and so now I'm dedicating myself to giving back. I'm operating this company and that takes a lot of my time and feels super exciting and new every day. But I, I have committed to giving back. I'm creating a live show that we're going to host on three channels on Facebook, Instagram, and on LinkedIn as soon as they release LinkedIn Live in the next few weeks. And it's going to, you know, so you can track me down on Instagram at Mike Watts if you want to see that there and, you know, joining the community and what we are there. Their purpose is to help people that are trapped in cubicles the way I was and help them take those next steps. If they know they're, you know, pent up entrepreneur on the inside and they're trying to get out and to uh, to start the journey like I did, then I want to be a resource for them and to help answer questions, to give advice and help them avoid some of the mistakes I made and have the right kind of attitude and resources that they're going to need to, to see that idea through. Wow, excellent. And of course, Wealth Tactic Rebels, uh, if you're listening to Mike here, we're going to put his contact information and show information as well on our show notes page. So you can always go there. If you're listening to this, wealthtacticrebels.com, check out the show notes pages. And you can also while you're there, download our free guide to the three key areas that you could be losing money unknowingly and unnecessarily. So, Mike, it sounds like you've kind of come full circle where you've really gone down this amazing journey becoming an entrepreneur, found some success, and that's brought you back to now wanting to share that with everyone. I think that's one of the great things about people that do find success is then when they get there, they're able to help other people, bring them up. I think it's a, I think it's an obligation that we have, and it's an opportunity too. That you'll never be more fulfilled than if you can invest in someone else and then see them find their, you know, path to to their their true self and and their dreams come true. So it's it's been cool, and and it's again, it's just me putting myself out there. I I, I get nervous every time I get on one of a podcast like this or or go live on <laughs> right. one of my channels, but I I just think about that there are people out there that are that are just right there on the edge. That, that, that you know maybe they maybe that happened a couple times they saw their idea that some idea that they had and they're laying there on the couch in the middle of the night and then they see it on tv and they're like that was my idea if i'd have done something about that five years ago then i would be my company 
Yeah. And so, you know, I just want people to just take some risks. And I, I think that walking, walking the path that the world tells you to walk is going to end up in a very predictable place. And it's not the best outcome for a lot of people. Sure. A lot of people have so much more potential than that, but nobody's ever told them it's okay. And I'm here to tell them it's, it's okay. And it's actually pretty amazing. Wow. Yeah, Mike, I appreciate that. Thank you for, for sharing that with our Wealth Tactic Rebels. Do you have any, any other bits of a little advice? You, you've had experience, so you've had some things that have worked, some things that have not worked. Do you have any tips for our Wealth Tactic Rebels that might be trying to accomplish a similar journey as you? Yeah, you know, I think that for me, the, the common theme has, has been to invest. And whether that was investing into uh, license rights or into tooling or into rental properties that allowed me to, to ride with no paycheck for such a long period of time. I, you didn't see me out buying fancy cars or taking lavish trips or, you know, that delayed gratification was something I believed in. Yeah. And so I, I worked hard. I took all that extra resource instead of spending it. I put it towards something that could grow into something bigger. So if I have any advice for your listeners is to amass yourself, you know, you live on as the least you can and invest the rest in whatever creative way that you can. And ideally some way that you can touch and feel it. Like, I, you know, I, I know a lot of people make a lot of money in the stock market and I, and I have too sure. now and again, but I personally prefer things that I can control, that I can touch, control, whether it's yeah. a piece of property or intellectual property or something that I can have an impact on the ROI, then I want to right, do that. Right. And it's something we talk about too oftentimes is use and control of your money is oftentimes more important than a rate of return. Yep. Because things come up in life that you need money for and opportunities come up in life that you need money for. And if you don't have access at the time that you need it, you can sometimes have those opportunities pass you by. Definitely. Definitely. So, Mike, been fantastic talking with you today. I really appreciate you sharing your story. I think a lot of our listeners are going to find this not just entertaining, but useful information for themselves. I really appreciate you taking your time today. I know you're a busy guy, so thank you for, for sharing yourself with the Wealth Tactic Rebels. Yeah, glad to be here. It's been fun for me, Kevin, and for all you guys out there, just put one foot in front of the other. Point yourself in the right direction and, you know, listen to smart guys like this, invest in growing your knowledge and you can achieve way more than I've ever achieved. It really is all possible. We live in the greatest time that's ever existed. So I appreciate the opportunity to help share my story, Kim. I agree with you and I'm glad we could give you a place to share. So thank you so much again for joining us. Thank you again, Wealth Tax Rebels, for joining us today and listening in. And I uh, hope you all have a fantastic day. Want to really see things differently? Take our course in Genius Tactics 201, where we teach you all the wealth accumulating tactics with detailed real-life examples, screenshots, downloads, and a step-by-step guide to help you. See your progress with quizzes, a final, and a certificate of completion. For course details, visit WealthTacticRebels.com. Sign up today and start seeing things differently. This presentation is intended as informational only. Information presented does not consider your particular financial objectives, risk tolerance, time horizon, or other unique circumstances, and does not constitute a personalized recommendation or replace the advice of a financial, 
tax, or legal advisor or other qualified professionals. Do your own research and do not use the information of this presentation in place of a customized consultation with a licensed professional. To the best of our ability, we provide content that is accurate as of the date of release. However, we give no assurance or guarantee regarding its accuracy, timeliness, completeness, or applicability. We assume no liability for the information of this and related presentations.